This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on playing host or hostess to workers improving your home, using the last of the toilet paper when you're a house guest, telling people how to correctly pronounce your name when it's been a very long time that you've known them, and sending birthday gifts when you can't attend the birthday party. For awesome etiquette-sustaining members, our question of the week is about exceptions to the rules of wedding invitations. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on proper introductions in business. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in sunny Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And you have a little little birthday in your household today, cuz, or at least on our recording day. I know this releases on Monday, but... <laughs> I'll spare you singing happy birthday, but I will do it several times before the day is out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and tell me, how old is, is your youngest Aria today? Aria is two years old, and I just can't even believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. She's such a fun two-year-old. Well, I'm very jealous of the party you all are going to have this afternoon, and I hope you have a ton of fun. Lots of hugs, lots of kisses, lots of smiles. (laughs) And what else is going on when we're not editing or podcasting or celebrating birthdays? Right? I had an etiquette share this morning. Do tell. I'm friends with with a, a woman who listens to the show, and she texted me a photo on her commute to work today of a car that had, you know, like written in soap on the back of it. We just got married. Help us go to Hawaii. And then it listed their Venmo handle. And it looked like a wedding-specific Venmo handle. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like their name or something. The conversation we had was this is like, this is what people mean when they say something can look like a grab for gifts. Like, that really does. That's like, put it out there. But it was it was really funny. I, I don't think we will be suggesting it as an Emily Post polite etiquette, good etiquette way to go. But it's like one of those stunts that the first person who does it gets the good laugh, you know, and like... I was just thinking it's it's almost far enough outside of an invitation, <laughs> quote unquote, grab for gifts, <laughs> that it kind of doesn't violate that rule, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, I don't know. Asking people to get you gifts when they didn't come to your wedding or even know you. I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't know exactly how to feel about it in, in that realm. I just know that connected to weddings, this is, this is not a route I would suggest people go. <laughs> like you say, first time, fun. Yeah, exactly. 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 But no, that's kind of that, that was we've had very minimal happenings here here in, in Burlington. <laughs> it's like there's isn't it nice? It's, it's been a quiet week. You and I have been working hard to to keep editing the book and and get that out. And so I feel like it's like I it was funny. I I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we'll play golf this summer. Like, don't worry, we'll play golf. And I'm like, wow, it's already like we're pushing into the end of June, the second half of June. Shh, and I'm I like I, I haven't hit the links yet. I'm I've just I need to get this book done because I need to get this book finished. Uh, so, so that you can I can go enjoy some summer. Engage with people. Like I was the other day, I was like, wow. I'm still having very pandemic-esque days where, like, I, I work all day at home, I go for my run, I take Sunny for a walk, I walk the dog I dog sit for, you know what I mean? And it's like, you just kind of, like, do all the things, and then the day is over, and you need to go to sleep to start the next day. And I, like, I haven't gotten totally to that point where, or at least right now with this workload, where I'm, like, out of my house again, you know, and, like, really out of my house regularly, daily. It, it, I haven't hit that yet. We got to... Release me. <laughs> uh, it's so ironic that the writing of an etiquette book could socially isolate. The writing of a social someone. behavior book could socially isolate you. It's it is no, it it totally is. I'm living that irony right now. But no, other other than that, like I said, things have been really simple. I'm excited to have my garden going. And oh no, can I tell you a horrible oh, story? What? <laughs> By the, all means, the little critters. The little critters discovered our garden. It was so beautiful. Oh. Pooch went French intensive, raised bed, like very organized roll rows. And we were getting, you know, lots of greens, kales and lettuces. Uh -huh. And it, it, it was just starting to really yield. And some critter. critter or combination of critters have found it. And it's just their buffet like, now every morning. Like another section of the garden is gone. And you can tell it's a critter. It's not just Ernie, the big dopey lab from down the street, right? No, like, <laughs> these are delicious, succulent little they're, bites. They're bites. They're, they're things that have been taken bites. Oh, that's such that's such a shame. That's such a shame. And that's the most excitement we've had <laughs> up on the hill. I had a critter run in myself, which was I had a, a chipmunk that ended up inside my house. I thought I had gotten him outside my house or her outside my house. And then he moved I in or she, she moved, moved in. in. And then it, it was about four o'clock in the morning that the cats rediscovered the now in the house chipmunk. And, and I spent last week at a good four, 4 a.m. shift helping to gently and without as much as possible scaring this poor little creature um, who is in just such a foreign environment at that point. I like was able to to corral it into a cat carrier and get it outside so that it could go outside. And boy, did it book it when it got when I opened that little <laughs> chum. It was it was great. But that's like, yeah, it's it's quiet, quiet on the home front other than like I feel like you and I are living, breathing and scrutinizing this book that we are writing right now. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity, I'll say. Well, Shall we answer some listener questions and get back to our editing? Dan, I think that is an A-plus plan for the day. Let's 
Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. For our first question today, we're starting off with a voicemail from Melissa titled, Hosting House Painters. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. My question for you is this. My husband and I are fairly new homeowners, and we are having a lot of service people come through in the next several weeks, such as house painters, wallpapers, folks to do extermination services, work on our crawl space, and things of that nature. I'm wondering, to what degree do my husband and I play host and hostess to service people who are coming to do work on our home? Do we need to provide them with water, snacks, coffee, et cetera, use of our bathrooms? Um, I, I'm, I'm very new to, to hiring people, and I'm just wondering, you know, how does the host-guest dance apply in this contractual service relationship? I really look forward to hearing what you both have to say. Thank you so much. Melissa, that's a great question and a and a kind of like a classic one too. I feel like this this I mean it's not like as frequent as thank you notes, but I've certainly heard this especially with new homeowners where you are all of a sudden in that position, you're like, I want to be polite and friendly, but I've also I'm paying someone. Does how does the host guest role here work? And 
I'm in the camp of, I think it's really nice to offer a glass of water, coffee or tea, bathroom facilities, that sort of thing. But beyond that, I don't feel like I, do, I don't feel like you have to offer someone lunch. I have before on a random occasion, but it was like the only time I've ever done it. Dan? I agree. I think that it's a really nice gesture to offer a glass of water or a cup of coffee. I have found that most people don't even accept that, that most people who are coming to work think of it as a work event or day and they've got a lunch plan and they got a thermos full of coffee because not everyone is so kind and considerate and you want to have lunch and you want to have the cup of coffee that you like to have in the morning. So it, it, it is in some ways analogous to that host guest dance. Maybe that drink of water would be really appreciated. So be prepared to provide it if you yeah. offer it. But <laughs> Especially in the summer months, right? <laughs> but it is a perfect example of that little, this is a kindness. I'm thinking about you as someone that's in my home. And probably you've already thought about that also and do this regularly and are either very comfortable saying, yes, that'd be awesome or no, that's quite all right. I got a thermos in the truck. I feel like often when I've heard from folks who do a lot of work in other people's homes, that their etiquette goals seem to be to make as little an impact or disturbance on your life as possible to be, you know, as as little of a, I don't want to say the word burden because you've hired this person and they're aware of that. Like, you know, it's, it, but it's more just as little of an impact as possible. That being said, I've also heard things like, oh my gosh, we were so grateful when she brought out this big fan that could like blow on us while we, while we were painting the outside of that house. Or, you know, that if people who are working outside, but are also smokers will make comments about how either it's, they try to do things like make sure that they don't leave any cigarettes around or that the smoke isn't blowing into the house, things like that. I've, I've been surprised sometimes at some of the things that come up that I wouldn't have thought of that are very thoughtful on the workers' behalf. I feel like this was on an old house column we did, Dan, H-O-U-Z-Z, the website, where uh, someone was talking about how they try not to just like sit out on someone's front lawn having lunch or a smoke break or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and that was just an interesting perspective I hadn't thought of before. But um Sorry, I could go on and on about how considerate the guest is often being in this same space. (laughs) But the question is much more for our host. And I think that you're right, Dan, it's it's a business relationship. And you do want to think about it that way in a lot of ways. And I think that being aware of where someone else is coming from, what they're doing, what their expectations of themselves are, help you accommodate them. And the the other thing that you mentioned at the start of this question that I think really supports that idea is the idea of offering someone a bathroom. And I was thinking about the the particulars of the courtesy of someone who's working in your home to make as little disturbance as possible. And I think early on, particularly if people are going to be there for a day or a couple of days, mapping out the bathroom that's the good one to yeah. use and figuring out a way to get in and out of it that maybe doesn't require taking off work boots every time mm-hmm. or. Oh, ooh, Dan, I saw a great thing that a homeowner did to help that. And that was to put like they, they just got some, you know, brown paper, like craft paper uh, and rolled it out or some plastic and, and rolled it out between the path that the that the workers would take from outside to inside to the house. And they, it was definitely a hit because exactly what you just said, no one had to remove boots or say, oh, I forgot the little disposable booties that people sometimes have. Um, it was a, it was a, that's a, that is a really good tip. 
or just telling them there's a bathroom off the kitchen. Yes. Feel free to go use that one. You can come in the back door. I think the, the, that kind of a, a host guest dance, to me, it's analogous of the shoes on, shoes off. Yeah. But now it's the work version of it. Yeah. Where you're aware of what they're trying to accomplish of minimizing that impact and you help them do it in a way that also meets needs. And it is, it's a different kind of host guest dance. But I think that those are the two points that, that you mentioned right off the bat that I think are the place that it's most likely to happen. The, the cup of coffee or water and how to get to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's essentials during a work day. Essentials during a work day. Melissa, we certainly hope that you are enjoying your new home and all of the fixing up that it sounds like you are doing. It's a it's a really Oh wallpaper. I want wallpaper I know, so bad. I know, I know, I know. I'm like, oh man, I wish wish I could do some of these projects again. But we truly hope that you're having a good time with it. And thank you so much for the question. Well, that sounds like a leading question, but let's have it. Oh, if the worker has only ten minutes, is it possible for him to get to the place? get his coffee and get back in that length of time? Well, I hate to put it like this, Joe, but that's not my problem. <laughs> well, it isn't, and yet it is. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Our next question is about toilet paper troubles. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. With restrictions lifting, it's great that we can host guests again and also visit our friends and family we haven't seen in a while. This past weekend, I was a guest in my friend's quaint apartment. We shared a bathroom over the course of my four-day stay. On the second day, I finished a roll of toilet paper and looked around to replace it. Not snooping, obviously, but under the sink, where I'd expect extra rolls to be, but there were none. I asked her where the extra toilet paper was, and she said that was the last of it and asked if I had finished it. When I said that I had finished it, she became annoyed that I hadn't said anything before using the last of it because she really needed to go. Should I have noticed it was low and asked for a replacement before finishing the current roll? Would you assume as an overnight guest that there is extra available? Should I have asked if anyone else had a more pressing need to use the bathroom? Isn't that TMI? Sincerely, TP Troubles. OTP Troubles, this is a first. I can definitely say that, cuz, wouldn't you agree? I think we've had bathroom questions, we've even had toilet paper questions. But not we talked this about lid up or lid down for a while. We did. No, we did. But this is really different because this is someone getting annoyed at you for not for for frankly their lack of good hosting skills. I'm just going to call them out on it. Like if you're inviting someone to come stay with you for four days, please make sure your toilet paper is stocked. Or if you know that you're running low, remember to say, oh, when we're out, remind me to get toilet paper. We're running low. This is like, I think this is some shirking of responsibility here. I think, I think TP Troubles has, has had the, 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 like the blame of the situation put on them. And I, I don't think that's necessarily what should have happened. <laughs> I agree with your overall analysis. I think there was a moment of panic. Yes. And probably you found yourself um, sincerely TP troubles at the brunt or the the, the receiving end of that panic. Yeah. From my perspective, I assume that I'm going to find that 
toilet paper under the sink. I definitely keep extra rolls there, but yep. that's also just my perspective. I haven't really checked broadly. I know that it's a, 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 <laughs> a, an assumption among people I share houses with, but I'd be really curious audience feedback. Do you keep an extra roll of toilet paper under the sink? Is that a reasonable place for someone to go look for one and to assume they would probably find one? I'm just going to go out there as a response right now and say, we do suggest in our etiquette books that you keep things like this in the bathroom just in case a guest runs out. Um, and that it, 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 it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect it. Diving deeper into this problem though, this moment that that these two are, are experiencing, so it happens. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, there really isn't any toilet paper in here. And I did just use the rest of it. I think one way in the moment when your host has has kind of breached their host role and, and let you know their moment of panic with it, I really need to use the bathroom and there's none left. Great. What do I do? I think, A, like going to that solution-oriented brain of are we – in a home where it's easy for me to run out even while you're in the bathroom, you know? Is there another soft paper product in the house that maybe you can't flush, but that could at least be used, you know what I mean? Like there, there, it's like, it's like, is there paper towel? Are there Kleenexes? Are, is there something that might work here? I feel like we've all been in that panic moment, even in our own homes alone and figured out what, to do, even if that's like jumping in the shower right afterwards, like something. But I feel like jumping straight to the taking on the blame of should I, you know, the question is, should I have noticed it was low and asked for a replacement before finishing the current role? It's a it's a great idea. I think few of us, when we're running into the bathroom, expect that every time we're going to see a low roll. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'm not going to put a should do. on this one. I am not nope. going to let our TP troubles should themselves on this one. <laughs> At least TP troubles if you're willing to join me and you not shooting yourself on this one, you know. <laughs> Lizzie Post, I agree a thousand percent. This is not one that I would beat myself up over. In the spirit of thinking about really being 100% in control of myself and what I can control in a situation, if I was imagining the future preventive action, I would say throw a little travel pack of Kleenex in your travel toiletries, just in case you find yourself anywhere where toilet paper is not available. And you never know, you might end up being that person who has a Kleenex or a little something to wipe up a spill or some extra toilet paper if someone else needs it. TP Troubles, we certainly hope that you don't run into TP Troubles like this in the future. Personal cleanliness is still important. It is particularly important for you to wash your hands after going to the toilet. You see, it is quite possible for you to have germs in your body which don't make you sick at all. But if those germs get from your hands to the hands of someone else, he may not be so able to resist the germs as you are. He may become sick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question is titled, 
Kirsten, not Kirsten. Hello, Awesome Etiquette from a longtime listener. I love the questions you discuss and the perspective you bring. When questions are posed on the podcast, I often pause to think how I would handle the matter prior to listening to your recommendations and advice. I have a question of my own and would love you both to weigh in. I have a name that, given the spelling, can be pronounced equally likely one of two ways. Think Tara or Tara for the name T-A-R-A. I have no problem politely correcting people when I first meet them, but every once in a while, someone will get the wrong pronunciation rooted in their brain, and I'm not sure how to best correct them weeks, months, or sometimes even years into knowing them. It just feels so awkward at that point. Think neighbors, coworkers, etc. An added element is that it often comes up that it's said incorrectly in a group conversation, at a backyard cookout, or during a staff meeting, where it feels really off to interrupt the flow of the group conversation to make the correction. Any thoughts on the matter would be so appreciated. All the best, Kirsten, not Kirsten. Kirsten, thank you so much for the question. Lizzie and I both knew a Kirsten growing up, yeah. and she did not want to be called Kirsten. Yep. In fact, you are not alone in this, and this is another example of how important it is to get people's names right and how easy it is to get people's names wrong. As you point out, the same spelling can have different pronunciations. People yep. can be very familiar with one pronunciation with one spelling, and it can take more than one try hearing and saying to get a new name right or to, as you say, b build that groove in your brain to get it right that's as strong as the groove in your brain that gets it wrong. And I will say it is amazing how strong those grooves can be. Like it's it, it can be hard to get out of that rut once it's been created, but we do think there are ways to help it happen. Absolutely. And most people, the vast majority of people will want to get it right and they will appreciate you getting them a good correction that helps them get it right. In the same way you feel awkward noticing this um, occurring in relationships that are ongoing, mm -hmm. it would be really awkward for someone else to discover that they've been making an ongoing mistake. And that's one of the things that makes delivering this what is going to be to them bad news, potentially, um, well, really important. I think so too, right? It's always the how that matters. For me, Dan, I think that my first go-to action to try with someone who I'm starting to notice might be in this category of repeated offender and to place them in the situation that Kirsten has given us, which is in a group setting, is to give a very quick, just someone says Kirsten and you just say Kirsten. It's a very quick correction. They'll probably say sorry and you'll say it's okay. You know what I mean? But I can see that happening in a moment in front of others. And when you deliver it casually and quickly, as if you're hoping the conversation will move on, but you just want to make a point, you know, my name's Kirsten, not Kirsten. I think it does more than actually that full sentence of saying to someone in the moment, uh, my name's Kirsten, not Kirsten. It's just, it's quick. It m moves you forward. You're a little bit, I think, banking on the idea that they know the actual name. They're just not using it right. And so you just get them to the usage, the correct usage as fast as possible. 
Um, I think that's a really good point, Lizzie you know, Post. Like, you know, if, it's if like If you've the got speed a sense that they know. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you've got a sense that they know and this is just an annoying mistake that is starting to, to be frequent, it's like just keep treating it like, you know, like keep, keep hitting them with the right one and hopefully – the volume of quick corrections over time will result in in that being the name they hear, the name they can use. But I wouldn't feel as comfortable with a a longer relationship, like having a big conversation about my name not being pronounced right. I don't know. For some for some reason, it almost feels like it's intruding on the friendship a bit. But it's a point that you need to make. So how can you make it well when you want to kind of have that conversation aside? That is the trick. How you keep the awkwardness that you feel when this is happening to you yeah. from getting transferred to them when they realize they've been doing this to you. And th that's not easy to do. It requires integration of those emotions when you make that correction. And I think that's oftentimes easy with those quick corrections that you're talking about. I think that those might not work. And the other option is to mention it to the person. I to think as close to the occurrence where it happens makes it easier because you're addressing something that's not an ongoing problem in the relationship, but something that just happened. Yeah. So I think getting getting that correction closer to that event is a good idea if mm -hmm. you can, um, but also not necessarily making that bigger correction in front of people in the moment yeah. <laughs> is strongly advised. And I think that when you actually deliver the correction – I, I was thinking about the sample scripts or the possibilities and the, the shorter and the easier they feel, I think the better they're going to work. So something like, I heard you say Kirsten earlier. Actually, I pronounce it Kirsten. Totally. People get it wrong all the time, but I wanted to mention it to you. Is enough. I think that is really gentle and enough to not create more awkwardness for the other person, but let them know they were doing something awkward. Like, you know, it's like you so don't awkward blame pointing them. out awkwardness. No, you're not you're blaming not telling them. them about all the pain and hurt it caused. You're just helping them get it right so that they can feel as good about it as you do. So there's another part to this that I think can be really helpful, and that's to have some allies. Ask some friends to help. Um, Great idea. I think that it is super helpful, especially often if you're dealing with couples, you know, and you might know one member of the couple more, but the other member of the couple keeps getting your name wrong. Say, hey, could you could you mention to so and so that, you know, it's actually Kirsten, not Kirsten. And I do it with a friend of mine whose name is Gillian. And it, it often people see the name and think it's Jillian. And so when we go into to meetings or group gatherings together, I often will remind someone, especially someone who I've heard get it wrong, you know, in conversations, I'll say, hey, just a reminder, it's Gillian, not Jillian. It really ha like, you know, and you don't even have to go further than that. Just just a quick reminder. Her name is Gillian, not Jillian. And the other person is often like, oh, thank you so much. I, I always blank on which it is or I get confused. And it's it's funny, Dan, you really do lean into that the idea that people want to get it right and that it makes mm -hmm. a big difference to kind of de-escalating the awkwardness of getting it wrong. Absolutely. Kirsten, we really hope that this helps you deal with the situation you're facing and maybe help some other people out there who are dealing with a similar problem. Make friends. Thus the... Your name here. Story. A story of refusal to admit defeat.
Our next question askers are baffled by a birthday question. Hello. To be read in proper Lizzie tone. How'd I do, Lizzie Post? I think you did really well, but what's really funny is that I learned the hello from you who stopped doing it very quickly. (laughs) And so I always think of it as a your thing and I'm trying to mimic it. That's awesome. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Pretty sure it comes from Seinfeld, to be honest. The belly belly. I think it does. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Back to our question, folks. (laughs) Recently, we broke it to our friend that if you are invited to a wedding or a shower and you can't attend, that it's proper etiquette to still send a gift. It blew her mind. Fast forward to today when that same friend asked about a birthday party that she can't attend. We had no idea. Is it still proper etiquette to send a gift? Or do birthdays not fall under the expected gifting umbrella? Thanks in advance. Team Toledo. Oh, Team Toledo, you've popped a can of worms here. There's all kind of like the gift obligation question, I think, is such a... It's the such descending a, scale it, of gift it, obligation. It, yes, and like, and like how, why they even exist? Do they still service anything? Does proper etiquette mean it's allowed or expected? Yeah, yeah, no, and that's a that's a really good one because even here, I'll tweak the advice that you gave your friend uh, years back or fast forward to today, however long ago it was. That the wedding is the one where if you can't attend the wedding, that technically you're still. And I don't know where the technical comes from, but technically you're still supposed to send a gift. Um, it was a very very big, very generous invitation to receive from someone. And the event itself was so monumental, monumental in life for someone. Significant. Yeah. That's probably a better word that it really warranted that. I think today I'm still questioning the whole obligation of it, but we still hold firm on the, on the quote unquote rule that you, you send a gift, even if you don't or can't attend a wedding. The shower is a little bit different. If it happens to be a wedding shower that we're talking about, not a baby shower that we're talking about, wedding shower guests are always guests who are invited to the wedding itself. And so you're are you're already getting a couple of gifts for the wedding, whether you attend or not. And with the fact that you could be invited to multiple pre-wedding events, typically the pre-wedding parties don't carry that same obligation. Dan with that all parsed out, do you, what do you think? And, and again, you could still get the wedding shower if you can't, the wedding shower gift if you can't go to it. It's acceptable. Uh, it's acceptable. It's not perfectly acceptable. Expected. It's not expected. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it, cuz. Um, but what do you think about it when it comes to that first birthday? I like this birthday theme, not theme today, but question today on, on Aria's birthday. <laughs> I, I, I would like to complicate things even further oh, as do we it. work our way to the just birthday. Just for fun. <laughs> I'd like to throw a baby shower out there and just imagine the scenario where you're invited to a baby shower and aren't going to attend. Yeah. In my mind, the vast majority of people who are close enough to someone to be invited to a baby shower who couldn't attend are probably going to want to send a little gift. And you might not do it. You might not. Think of it as an expectation as part mm-hmm. of receiving that invitation. But I think it's not an uncommon reply also. So it, I wrestle with this idea of, is it an obligation? Is it required of me? And I think of that wedding gift as one that's got a bigger social expectation. Yeah. And the shower ones as having less of a social expectation. Yep. 
But the complication comes from the reality that I think really good etiquette or sort of <laughs> thinking about those relationships and and how close they're meant to be and how significant these events are. I think a lot of people want to do it, and which is one of the reasons that social expectation develops to begin with. But again, it's I think it's, as you pointed out, less for a shower than a wedding, either kind. And I think we step down another step down that stair to first birthday party. Although I think all the same things we've said about the wedding or either shower continue to apply. That if you feel inspired to send a card or a little gift, that there's certainly nothing inappropriate about it. In fact, yeah. it's a very reasonable response to that invitation, whether you're going to attend or not. I think so, too. And the, the trick is with these a uh, party like as you said i love the the visual of like stepping down like the showers are a step down you're still close but the showers are a step down the birthday party you're still close but it's a step down they are different the shower i think what's tough too is that you you can have multiple showers you might have an office shower you might have a yoga group shower you might have a friend shower and a family shower and when it comes to the birthday party i feel like if you say yes, and especially if we're talking about kids' parties, gifts are, are pretty much the norm, unless parents have said, no, we really don't want gifts. He's one or she's one or they're one and they have plenty. But it's funny because it, it, it doesn't require you, if you can't go, to have to give. And I also just – the difference between – a requirement and an I feel like I would want to give this even if I don't go is a really big difference. And we don't in the world of etiquette really try to place on people a ton of obligations that are financially or often financially related. And you could start to see how if birthdays followed the same suit as a wedding if uh, showers uh, for weddings and, and showers for babies um, or, or new children joining the family, like that there are often multiple of these that someone might go through. I mean, certainly birthdays, you're going through them annually. And then there's lots of them. I mean, I could I could just see us getting to a point where if that was true, if you had to send a birthday gift for every birthday you were invited to, that it could get to be too much very, very, very quickly. And I think there's a, a piece of etiquette that's really recognizing here. The wedding is often a once in a lifetime event and the, the wedding shower. Sure. But there's, like we said, lots of, lots of small parties that can happen uh, before a wedding baby shower might be a once in a lifetime event might be a five times in a family's, you know, lifetime event. Um, but that once-in-a-lifetime event or the likelihood that that wedding is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime event, even with current divorce and remarriage rates, it's there and it's kind of special. And it's different from these other types of parties in that way. I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind. And it's it's not about the other parties being less. It's just that a wedding is a really special thing. Team Toledo, thank you so much for this question. I don't think I've ever thought of a gift obligation stairway before with a series <laughs> of levels on it. Totally. And I really appreciated your question and how it pushed us to think about etiquette. Thank 
you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Program it into your phone. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we're at Emily Post Institute. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. If you love Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we have a voicemail from Jessica about wearing white to weddings. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I don't think I've left a voicemail before, but I feel like I'm calling my besties right now. This is Jessica, and when I heard the question on this week's episode about wearing white to weddings, I had to call and share this story, especially when Lizzie talked about seeing teenagers wearing all white dresses. This exact thing happened at my wedding. One of the cousins, who shall remain nameless, was still in high school, and she really wanted to wear her all-white homecoming dress to our wedding. It was shorter, and it didn't look like a wedding dress at all, so I'm 0% offended by this, like negative 0%. But I had to laugh a little bit um, when later in the night during dinner, some spaghetti and meatballs fell on her dress. <laughs> Getting those saws out of a white dress is no easy task, so perhaps there's more than one reason to avoid wearing white to fancy dinners. Hope you and all your listeners are doing well, and have a great week. I am cracking up over here, and it is not that I am laughing at someone's misfortune of spilling it on their dress, but I am laughing at the irony. I know. I'm going to try to parse this out politely, but I probably can't really pull it off. Oh, my gosh. Jessica, thank you so, so much for this. Also, for giving us the perspective that the wearing of the white dress did, and, and a dress that really did not look like a wedding dress, like made just zero offense to you, the bride. I think that's an, it's an awesome perspective to get out there. We're obviously always telling people, cause you might not know, don't do it. But I think it's awesome to also hear people voice up like, yeah, this is no big deal. This wasn't a problem until the spaghetti came out. <laughs> like it's such a great, it's such a great image. Like, oh, oh, Jessica, thank you so much for the feedback. <laughs> And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today, our Postscript is inspired by a listener text message. Just so you know, I get really like excited when you guys text us. I don't know why. I just think it's wicked cool. Um, <laughs> use my East Coast language. But we are doing a Postscript segment that was inspired by one of our listeners through text message, and it's on business introductions, the details, the nitty-gritty Dan, you are a resident business expert. And I almost want to throw this to you the way you like to throw wedding questions to me. (laughs) (laughs) Test me on it. Test me on it. Okay, I've got the the first point, right? I was going to say, the reason I know that you would ace the test is that I had my like little list going and then you made a point (laughs) that I was like, yeah, no, that's the first thing on the list. Take it away. (laughs) So the very first thing on the list when it comes to business introductions or really any introductions is to make them feel confident making them make them frequently <laughs> like it's what it it is the biggest thing is just get really comfortable with making introductions because even if the worst offense that you're going to make is that you're reintroducing two people who know each other you laugh about it for half a second and move on when you create a moment with someone where you don't introduce like let's say three people are standing there and 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 you're playing middleman between them and you you don't make that introduction i feel like it creates this like fly on the wall sense of anonymity for the person who hasn't been introduced or d- d- whose names don't aren't known to to one another um and that would be probably two people in this given situation but it does it kind of like it it pushes someone into that category of forcing them to be anonymous in a moment and i i just think that's unnecessary especially in business where we are trying to make connections we're trying to build things and do things together to you know to move that revenue stream i feel like it's really important in business to make introductions that would be how i'd start anyway cuz that would be my my takeoff in the speech in the seminar First piece of advice is make them. It's so important. The oldest cliche in business is that business is built on relationships. And one of the original relationship skills for growing your networks and your relationships is introducing people to each other. I tell my younger audiences that this was the original social networking skill. Yes. Every time you introduce (laughs) two people to each other, you build a social triangle that includes you. And as you continue to add those triangles, you grow a network of people that you're connected to, that are connected to each other, and it's it's just critically important. It's the human architecture that our business lives are built on. The elaboration on that point for our contemporary current moment is that we get to make introductions all the time, and it's not always in person. Oftentimes, that first meeting right now is happening via a video call. It happens via email introductions, via conference calls. And I want to emphasize for our our points today the in-person introduction because that, like the handwritten letter, is the the height of formality. It's the formal structure from which we depart Mm -hmm. to make choices about good um, introductions in environments where that most formal structure doesn't necessarily apply. But if you understand the components of it, you can try to honor those components in the medium that you're operating in, a video medium, a text medium, a phone call. So 
what is the first rule or guideline for a good introduction in person when you're introducing two people is to address or speak to the person that you want to honor first. And this comes from the older tradition of presenting someone, a junior person to a senior person. So you start off with the senior person, you would present the other person to them. The way that we honor that tradition today is we address the person that we want to honor first. So who do you want to honor? Okay, there's a really simple three-part hierarchy that can help you figure out who that person is in business. Oftentimes, usually, it's a visitor, a guest, an outsider, or a client. So someone who's coming to do business with you or your organization gets the priority. You think of them as being your honored guest, even if the person that you're introducing them to internally outranks them in some way. Now, the second consideration is about organizational hierarchy. If there isn't a visitor or a guest that you really want to honor in some way, you're going to respect organizational hierarchy and the structure that you're working within. You're going to start with people who have more seniority experience or are higher up on that organizational um, ranking chart. So occasionally that hierarchy question will um, supersede the question of the guest or the visitor. You might be introducing uh, mm -hmm. someone who's visiting to the CEO of Samsung. And mm -hmm. guess what? The CEO of Samsung gets addressed first. But <laughs> for, for most situations that we're operating in, you want to think about honoring that visitor. The third sort of tier in your organizational thought process is age. If all other things are equal, you're going to honor and respect age and experience and start with the older person first. If you know their age, we've got to always put that in there, right? Like sometimes, sometimes age can be a little bit of a guess. And all other things being equal, yeah. start with the person who is the, the guest in the situation. Sometimes yes. you're in conversation with someone and someone enters and you're all just friends or casual acquaintances or coworkers. In those situations, I'm thinking about the the experience itself, who's entering, who's already talking, those sorts of questions start to direct my thinking about where I begin. So once you've identified who to speak with first, you're going to start by addressing them. And it might sound something like this, Mr. Guest, I would like to introduce our senior account representative, Tom Smith, to you. So you've started with the person that you want to honor and you've introduced the other person to them. Now, this is a little technical point. Sometimes that to you at the end of the sentence will drift up into the middle of the sentence. It's a, a pretty common usage for a lot of people, and it might sound something like this. Mr. Guest, I would like to introduce you to our senior account representative, Tom Smith. Now, technically, you have inverted the order of introduction when you do gonna that. I was going to say, <laughs> that sounds different to me, because this is a really interesting point. <laughs> most people won't notice it. M yeah. What's going to matter to most people is that you start with the right person, that you get the names right, that you um, really that you begin with the right person and that you present the other person to them. But if you want to get the order of introduction technically correct, you hold the to you till the end of the sentence. Yeah, Those are the little details that if you get worried in your mind about getting right, might prevent you from making that introduction to begin with. So I, I mentioned the detail because I, I like to include it. And if you want to dot your I's and cross your T's, hold that to you till the end of the sentence and you'll have your order of introduction technically correct, starting with the person that you want to honor.
Because you're reminding me of, of as we've been editing and working on the 20th edition, and we do try to use a lot of sample scripts and things like that. And introductions was one of the hardest spaces because the the true formal way to do it is a way that I, I'm not sure if I've ever been properly introduced formally, either being the person, you know, on the, the lower of, of, of the um, – introduction or the person that's having people introduced to them, you know, whichever the honored position is. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever even experienced a, may I present Lizzie Post to someone. I don't know if I've ever been presented to someone even. It was one of the hardest parts in the book because you want to honor so much of the formality and yet often the way we speak today just isn't formal, even in a lot of formal situations. Well, even just the use of the word introduce as opposed to the word present. Right. Starts to... De-escalate the formality. Absolutely. And place us more in our current moment and less 100 years ago. <laughs> or less in extreme formal situations. Yeah, exactly. So some other things that you'll want to keep in mind as you make this introduction a business situation is that you want to give each person the title, the full name, and the position or the work that the other person does if possible. So Mr. So-and-so, our senior account representative, Ms. So-and-so, our CEO, is important and useful information for someone to have when you're doing a business introduction. And that's all public information when you're mm -hmm. working with people. That's information that would be on the business card that might be part of an exchange at some point or theoretically even the public information about your, your company. For social introductions, I like to encourage people to include a little uh, information to seed a conversation. For business, this might or might not be appropriate or important. That might yeah. really just be about getting people introduced to each other so they know each other's names. You've achieved that level of formality and people are going to – find their own points of commonality and interest. And it's probably going to be about the work. Because what about introductions in spaces like either online or I'm thinking of like a Slack channel or email or, or as we've all been doing for the past year, Zoom introductions? Do most of the standards still apply? Absolutely. Um, make them at the start, do them as soon as possible, and adhere to the structure of the in-person introduction as much as you can. A lot of the same thinking that works for the in-person introduction works in other situations. If you're wondering who to address first in writing as well as with your words, your spoken words, the same thinking applies. If you're wondering what information to include, the title, the name, uh, the position or the work that they do, all really important information to write as well as it is to say when you make that introduction. So think about those same components and think about how you can translate them into whatever medium you're operating in and you should be in really good shape. Dan, you are such a good business etiquette instructor. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm holding really, back because we're not know, talking no, handshakes or business cards like, or group introductions. <laughs> we just had the like off the recording conversation about, so do we go all the way through or just here? Like how deep is our deep dive? But no, I think this gives such a good foundation for people to operate in and to um, I, I'm hoping that as we are interacting more, um, and have more of those in-person moments as things in the business world are kicking back into gear, um, that this is one of those, those muscles that we, or etiquette muscles that we flex really well and, and get back into sync with. Um, it, it would, you know, I, I think that 
regardless of your coming out of the pandemic, shaking hands or not, um, just the the idea of meeting new people to me is just so brilliant right now. I loved getting the chance to just hear about what that might sound like again. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it myself. To our listener who sent in the request via text message, thank you so much for, for reminding us about this juicy piece of business etiquette. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a salute from M. Dear Lizzie and Dan, when you recently celebrated your birthing of the book with a sledding party, it reminded me of a vaguely similar sort of situation in my life recently. Okay, already this is funny because I can't imagine anything similar to a sledding party to celebrate writing a book. (laughs) (laughs) My divorce was finally finalized last summer. For the last few years, I felt like I was always disappointing my friends who really wanted to hear good news from me and who mostly had to deal with hearing that, no, it still wasn't finalized and no, I still actually wasn't feeling any better, despite trying to stay positive, but honestly feeling absolutely rotten and drained. I pulled back from socializing. But when a good friend had a baby, I wanted to make her a diaper cake. It took me a while, but I delivered it safely and she enjoyed it very much. The next time I visited her, many weeks later, there was a gift bag near my spot. I didn't think anything of it until she gestured towards it and said, I just felt like getting you this. I couldn't figure out why I was getting a present, but happily opened a lovely scented candle, some cookies, and a chocolate bar, thinking that this was maybe a thank you because she liked the diaper cake so much. Then she subtly said, I saw that there were gifts, with a woman hitting a man over the head with a hammer, but I thought this was nicer. Then I got it. It was a congratulations, you survived your divorce (laughs) present. Her husband then came in, and I showed him the goodies, and he just smiled kindly and said, well, you earned it. And then, no one made me talk about it. I know some people would want to, and that is totally okay. But I had absolutely no desire to have to open that can of worms as a way to show appreciation for their gift. They handled it so delicately and so thoughtfully. I felt so honored and appreciated, despite the nature of this event. I know there's no special protocol for this kind of thing, and not for birthing a book either. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) want, need, or expect any kind of acknowledgement. Or maybe I just didn't think I did. In the end, this small, subtle, but so very loving gesture meant a little world to me moving forward. So I want to thank not only my friends, to whom I am so very grateful, but also get the word out to people who might be looking for ways to support others in similar situations. And congratulations on your book, Best, M. M, thank you so much for sharing this. And and thank you, Dan, I'll say it from both of us, for congratulations on the book. You're right. There are many things in life that we don't have formal protocols for celebrating, but they they can be really worthy of celebration, for sure. For sure. I love that your friends thought to do this for you, Em. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please do connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts. You can send us questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. 
On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget.